How's it going, everyone? I am Brandon Foose here with Tyler, Nick, and Al. We are the Wolfpack Howl. We got a great episode for you this week. Uh, we are recording on Veterans Day, and we got a great weekend of Nevada sports behind us. Nevada uh, pretty much dominated in, in every aspect of sports, uh, swimming and diving, football, men's and women's basketball, and volleyball swept the weekend. Uh, and we'll get to that later. Other topics that are coming up that are pretty interesting are more developments with Daily Fantasy, uh, with the Nevada Casino Board voting, and now the New York General Attorney, or Attorney General. Um, and then we're going to talk about Cap and his benching and his future with the Niners. Uh, but first off, it's been a beautiful week here in Reno, had our first snowfall. Uh, how are you guys enjoying the snow? Oh man, I love the snow. I mean, when I played football in it, it, it was pretty good. Except for when your when your fingers went numb, you didn't have to worry about people stepping on them so much. But you know, when they warm up, it felt like you know a thousand suns. But you did, did you have hand warmers? I did, but I thought it was for well, we used a different word, but it's called wimps. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not a quarterback, so I'm not <laughs> a wimp. <laughs> uh, what about you, Al? Uh, well, I'm from Las Vegas, so I don't know what snow is. Uh, and this week it was a little rough to, to drive through it for sure. Um, I'm still kind of getting used to it, to be honest. And this, I don't, I've been here for two winters now. I think this was the worst that it's actually like stuck to the valley floor in the last two years. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Nick, how, how are your thoughts on the snow? The coldest winter I've spent besides the summer in San Francisco was every single winter here. I'm from Marin County right next to San Francisco. So cold for me is... 60 and foggy so i'm after four years i'm actually still not used to it but i do like the snow once in a while clear days with snow like this or that's okay with me yeah yeah i'm kind of with I'll you take it. today was pretty beautiful when i walked out but nice. uh if it gets much colder uh i'm not gonna like it too much i'm from southeast bay area alameda county and uh it's just too cold here man like the snow is beautiful but uh uh too cold uh, what is this wyoming Nice. <laughs> I don't want to go there. I'm sure it's even colder. Uh, but with the snow comes some winter sports, and as I mentioned, we will get to those, men's and women's basketball. Uh, but despite the cold weather, as I mentioned earlier, Nevada teams have been hot. And Nevada football over the last two weeks uh, has been pretty impressive. We'll start by talking about the Hawaii game. They won 30-20 to uh, for the homecoming game here in Reno. Uh, we ran the ball very effectively. Uh while controlling Hawaii uh, to only 20 points. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts about the game? I like it because we won, especially, you know, after losing the Wyoming, who hadn't won a game on the year. It, it shows great bounce back, in my opinion, and great fortitude on the behalf of the players and the coaching staff. Even if they drop something like that, it shows that they can bounce back. And I, who Didn't someone have three interceptions in that game? Or uh, The team total had three interceptions yeah, against right, Hawaii. Hawaii. Um, yeah, I just really liked it because it's definitely a bounce back. Yeah, I mean, Pullian was definitely able to, to rally the troops after a really devastating loss. That was a great point, Tyler. Uh, Al, you got anything? Uh, what are your thoughts about the Hawaii game? I think going off of what, what Tyler was saying, this team only has one two-game losing streak on the season, and it was Texas A&M and Arizona. We were supposed to lose those. The rest of them... If we win, it's like win loss, win loss, win loss. Except these last two weeks is now win win. 
So we're trending in the right direction. And one more win, we're, we're bowl eligible. Bowl. Very true. Nick, what about you? And that's nice. Considering all the problems Hawaii's had with, you know, firing of Chow, I think if we would lose that game, that would be almost worse than losing Wyoming, considering all the malfunctions going on in their front office. So I think it's a positive thing. And then Fresno State right after that, yeah, that hey, they're at least coming game. up in the MWC. So definitely, I, I can dig it. You know, I looked at the standings uh, yesterday. I was stunned. I mean, what, two weeks ago, people were talking about how awful Polian is after the Wyoming loss. People were very upset after the UNLV loss. And you look, and they're 5-4 and four overall, 3-2 and two in conference, and they're second in the West behind San Diego State, who is 5-0 and oh in conference, but they have yet to play. So uh, when they play November 28th, that'll be uh, one of the biggest games of the year. Yeah, uh, definitely not going to be a tiebreaker game, though. It's not going to really matter in conference, but it'll be good to beat them because, you know. It's it's hard to say right now. I mean, they're only two games back conference-wise. Uh, I'm pretty sure San Diego State, 6-3, and three, uh, so only one game back. I mean, uh, there's, true, true, there's, true. There's, there's definitely room where that game could be a, uh, have the biggest impact on the conference overall. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So let's move on to the Fresno game, an even better game for Nevada, 1-30-16. Uh, Tyler Stewart moved the ball down the field pretty effectively, 206 yards on only 17 attempts. Uh, something I commented on last episode uh, was that I just didn't see him get the ball down the field, and, and he was pushing the ball down the field a lot. He was uh, throwing intermediate and long passes. Um, I'm sure the return of Hassan Henderson being healthy is, is definitely helping that cause, but... Uh, he was effective, and uh, Jackson and Butler combined for 39 rushes, 262 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, what do you guys think Nevada can take away from the last two weeks, and especially Fresno with Jackson and Butler having phenomenal games? Well, I think sharing the ball, that's kind of when they're more efficient. You see two running backs combining for 39 yards, and you see a lot of other big schools, 39 would, or excuse me, 39 carries, but you see a lot of other big schools, and 39 would be usually the amount of carries for one running back. But I like how they share the ball. Uh, Stewart only threw 17 times. Maybe it's better to limit him right now. He's still a young QB. But I like uh, Jackson and Butler sharing the ball, and it was efficient. 30-16, to 16, that's, that's fine with me. That's a W right there. Oh, yeah, very efficient. Uh, you know, for me, it's about, you know, control in a, in a game. You can't let it get out of hand. And if you can run the ball effectively, you can control it. And like Nick said, Having a young quarterback, you got to give him some leeway. Having a running game and a you know a stout defense, which I saw a lot of in that game, helped Tyler Stewart a lot from what my perspective was. It's just you know like sharing the ball on the offensive side, keeping the clock under control, and just general turnovers are a great boon to any team. If you have those three aspects, you're likely going to get that W. Yeah, I was watching the game and and like uh, Brandon said. Stewart actually pushed the ball downfield. Henderson made a like phenomenal catch on a 72-yard touchdown pass. But when you have a running game like like Jackson and Butler, you can take shots down the field. I think Rolovich is finally willing to open it up a little bit for Stewart. And then you look at the defensive side, our superstar freshman, Damon Baber. Three picks. Yeah, in the fourth quarter. Clutch. Like yeah. within like seven minutes, he had three <laughs> picks. To be fair, uh, not to take anything away from Baber, obviously. He's a phenomenal player. Uh, but Nevada has seen a few backup quarterbacks, and late against the Fresno game was another backup quarterback. Uh, a couple throws were just horrendous, but still, it, right place, right time or not, he's, he's making the plays. Just he just to remind you, he still has that on his stat sheet. So people, you know, maybe they, they remember, 
Like, yeah, I was back on quarterback. He still has it on his stat sheet. So True. it makes it look better, you know? And, I mean, he had three picks already on the season. Six total now makes him the leader in the Mountain West Conference. Uh, <laughs> so I think uh, he's got a bright future. And despite the backup QB, there's many reasons to be excited about his future. Um, another thing I got forgot to mention that I think should be noted is that, especially with an offense like Nevada that's, strong but not explosive uh a great kicker is always nice to bank on and zuzo was three for three against hawaii and three for three against fresno has only missed one field goal on the whole season no extra points and that field goal was the only 50 plus attempt he has so uh i just want to give some love to brett zuzo uh gotta have a kicker oh yeah 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 and and in college especially they can be hard (laughs) to find i mean you see sec teams and you, you're like, I, they don't even have a kicker. Yeah, sometimes. that Adam Griffith guy. He, he <laughs> poor, poor Adam. Oh, was that the Alabama guy? Because I yes, remember Alabama yes, having yes. a kicking problem a few yeah. years back, which is so surprising as an SEC team. I thought Nick Saban would recruit a lot I, better than that. Yeah, I mean, Bama of all the SEC teams, yeah. too, especially oh, a few years ago. Yeah, focusing on Nevada, though, I really like the fact that it's kind of well-rounded at this point because mm-hmm. uh, special teams, I'm not really seeing any glaring flaws. The defense, you know, is bearing its fangs to, you know, dig into the cliche bag <laughs> uh and then the offense is actually like you know you know scoring enough points that we win the games which is the bottom line if you don't get your bottom line you're doing something wrong but you're doing it so you know i like it yeah and zuzo actually won mountain west special teams player of the week after the uh hawaii game so accolades well deserved <laughs> give them the accolades so the next game after this podcast will come out will be uh november 21st at utah at 3 30 uh, you guys should tune in to the Mountain West uh, website for that game. But if you are not able to get a live stream, you can follow us at Wolfpack Howl NEV. That is Wolfpack Howl NEV for live game feed and updates. On Twitter. Thank you, Tyler. <laughs> uh, moving on from football, going into other Nevada successes this weekend. Uh, Nevada women's basketball defeated Chico State 81-52. Stephanie Schmidt had 19 points, 4 of 8 from beyond the arc. And Julia Shelbourne had a nice all-around game, 11 points, 4 rebounds, 3 steals, 2 blocks, and an assist. Uh, I know it's just Chico State, and it's still preseason. They have two more preseason games before they start their season on the 20th against Washington State. Uh, What do you guys think they can take away from this early on, even though uh, the game was essentially meaningless, but there has to be some meaning to it. Well, for me, any time you win, it feels good, even if it is preseason. And preseason's to build like your repertoire, what you want to de- uh, deal with in the season, how you want to go about it, and you just got to build confidence and uh, basically a team in the preseason because you want uh, an ability to win games like you do, like they did against Chico State, which they you know they did rather well, even though it's a smaller school. Still, it's a good thing to do because, like I said, bottom line, you got to win. Yeah, you look at well, Timo, she's out for the year. Um, Big-time blow. She was going to be the team's starting point guard. Oh. But Stephanie Schmidt comes in, 19 points, 4 for 8, shooting. And she was like the – someone put it to me as the junior college goddess transfer, and it came down to us and Texas Tech, and she chose here. She was one of the top players in the country last year, um, and she was – I don't know how we landed her, but great job by Jane Albright and her staff to to land someone like that. And Julia Shelbourne, like you said, filled up the stat sheet. Uh, good day in fantasy. Definitely. 
I got to sit down with Coach Albright at practice this week. Let's take a listen. All right, I'm here with head coach Jane Albright of the Nevada women's basketball team. Uh, coach, tell me about your time here in Nevada and why getting involved in the community is so important to you and your staff. Well, I've always believed that athletics is really one of the best things about society, that an athlete can have a platform, they can get their education paid for it. What we're trying to teach them is that, you know, most all of them are on full scholarships, is that it's not a free ride. We don't want them to be entitled. So we, we, want, to, we want to give back to the community and we don't have the money to do that. The players don't. I do, and of course I do that. But they have time, they have talent, they have a lot of things that they can do to help people in the community. And so we make a really huge deal out of that. In fact, at the end of the year, the person on my team that has done the most community service hours gets a trophy just like the MVP does. They look exactly the same. So we log those hours, and we're really serious about giving back. Very cool. Uh, lots of new faces on the team this year. Which ones can we expect to contribute early and often? Well, um, you know, we're learning that as we go, but I'm, I'm positive Stephanie Smith will be the one that will be in the box score. She was our leading scorer, and we expected her to be the first day we, in our exhibition game. Really, really great three-point shooter. In fact, she was one of the best players in the country, came down to us in Texas Tech, and, you know, she averaged four threes a game last year and was player of the year in her JUCO, so really, really nice player. You'll see her light it up, and she can catch and shoot very, very quickly, as quick as any man I've ever seen. I think Rihanna Average had the uh, had some really good minutes. I think she had nine rebounds and eight points. Really great athlete, kind of a slasher driver. She's the exact opposite from Stephanie as far as she's not a three-point shooter, but she's really athletic and take the ball a hole. And I think Morning um, Rose will, Toby will have some really good minutes for us. She's kind of a utility player, a one-two guard, has had good minutes really in practice. A.J. Cephas is not a true freshman because we registered her last year because Mimi was going to get a lot of minutes. But A.J. had a very, very great day for her first day um, being on the, in our uniform. And last question. Uh, after games yourself, your staff and your players go around and thank the fans in attendance. Why is that something so important for you guys to do? Well, I think for the, the general fan, you know, we want to be that team that's family friendly that, you know, you can bring your son or daughter to and he can meet a Division One college athlete. And a little girl might, like, you know, might meet, I don't know, might meet Timo and think, wow, or it's maybe just, it's just really more of a connection to get, again, us involved in the community so they know we care about them and it's not kind of us and them. We represent them every time we play, and, and I think it's, we've really made some great relationships with people. We got a lot of um, people that really stay around and look forward to that, so it's a fun, fun thing. Awesome. Thank you very much, Coach. So I want to thank Coach Jane Albright taking time out of her busy schedule for that interview. You know, something that stuck out to me was, the fact that they stay after for the fans, uh, being at every game, I actually see there are families and a lot of little kids waiting around uh, for the team to come out and talk with them. It's a pretty cool experience. Yeah, I know if I would, if I was a fan there, I would definitely appreciate the gesture by the coaches and the players. And I'm sure for kids, it would be a blast to meet people like Stephanie and Julia. Yeah, man, it's cool. There's a lot of like big-eyed kids have little uh, basketballs or pictures that they get the players to sign after every game, and you can tell the players don't mind doing it at all, which is awesome. That is awesome. All right. Uh, moving on to the men and Musselman's team. They beat Alaska Fairbanks this weekend, 84-53. Uh, senior A.J. West, a solid double-double, 10-13. Uh, Cameron Oliver dropped 19, and D.J. Fenner dropped 18. Uh, so they're getting a lot of guys involved. I saw they had four double-digit scores in that game. Again, Alaska Fairbanks, got to take it with a grain of salt, but uh, I'm sure there's plenty of things to be happy about. Uh, what do you guys think of the basketball season with Musselman going forward? Well, for, for me, you know, when you get double-digit scores, you know, in that number, it looks good on your offensive side. Um, 
like yeah. Just I like the numbers they're putting up personally. I like numbers. Let me let me say one thing. Cameron Oliver is true freshman, like six eight, bounces out of the gym. I'm not kidding. He flies. His Twitter is at SpaceCam. Uh, I mean, dude, he had four putback dunks that were like, how'd you get that high? Then he had one where he did like a vert 360 dunk where he's standing under the rim. So this kid, I'm just, I'm more excited for him than, than I have been, I think, the last three seasons. He's got hops then. Dude, he bounces. I'll be looking forward to seeing him more. Cameron Oliver wears a number zero. So make so sure like, when you go out, like, he's going to end up being a starter. He didn't start this game. Mm-hmm. I have no doubt in my mind he's going to end up being a starter. Yeah, it's only a matter of time. There's no way. I mean, he had 19 points. He led the team in scoring. Yeah. And he's he's an athletic freak, man. He's I was a gonna say, yeah. if you say he's that athletic, I'm I'm curious to ask him if uh, that zero is modeled after Russell Westbrook or if he looks to Russell Westbrook yeah, uh, in his game. True, true. And he can shoot the jumper too, man. He made a few he made a few jumpers. So he sounds pretty balanced on my on what I'm hearing. Yeah, I think uh, I mean he he wasn't known obviously because he's a freshman, mm-hmm. but. I think by the end of the season, people are going to know who he is. Fresh, Definitely. Man. I'm excited for Musselman. I mean, a great assistant coach at LSU who's pretty much in the tournament every year, at least for the last nine, ten years. Um, but I know during the offseason, he really worked his team. Uh, I just know from stories I read in the RGJ and uh, other Wolfpack followers, uh, he really pushes his team – they took conditioning very seriously in the offseason. And, I mean, when you got explosive athletic guys like that, conditioning is important because, I mean, their biggest tool is is their athletic ability. And uh, I think Musselman sees how athletic his team is, and that's why he, he focused so strongly on conditioning. Got to play the whole 40 minutes. Yeah, wear and tear can definitely tear at you during the season. So build it up early and just keep it strong in the season. That's what you got to do. Shameless plug. Uh, I'm working on a project called The Hunt. <laughs> and it's a theme that Coach Musselman brought in, and it's talking about how, you know, Wolf Wolfpack hunts together, and their off-season regimen has been this theme called the hunt, and it's going to premiere on Channel 4 after Wolfpack All Access in a couple weeks, so keep your eye out for that. Very cool, very cool. I like it, I like it, Al. Uh, I know a couple years ago I, when we hired the new baseball coach, I thought that was a good time to change basketball coaches, so... Uh, to see this new hire, uh, it seems like the team is really gelling together. I'm sure uh, heavy conditioning helps that, but it seems like this team is is forming and becoming a very cohesive team, at least from the off season and uh, all that Musselman does to to bring them together. So I'm very excited uh, for what we're going to see in the future. Yeah, the strength of the wolf is the pack, as you and I likes to say in their PR department. We still got a little more Nevada sports to talk about, but uh, just a reminder that later on we will be talking about Kaepernick and his future with the Niners, oh or really goodness. in the NFL in general, if we if we want to go down that road. And we'll be touching on daily fantasy in a little bit, uh, but we have one more Nevada sports team to talk about, and that is Nevada volleyball. They have been excellent compared to previous years. Uh, they're eleven and fifteen. Uh, which is a big step up. It's it's very solid record uh, with the new coach. Uh, this weekend they defeated Fresno State and UNLV three to one in each game. It was their first win against UNLV since two thousand five. Oh my! Uh, they're six and eight in conference right now, which again is uh, is a vast improvement from last year. And actually eight and three at home. They don't travel well at one and eight, but eight and three at home. I, I mean home games. That gym's got to be rocking on Virginia Street. Um. 
So with Madison Morrell still doing phenomenal, I mean, 52 kills in the two games this, uh, this weekend, uh, the season's almost over, but what do you guys think the, the, the team can take away from not only this weekend, but just this improved season as a whole? Keep building. Keep building. Put block on top of block because as you do that, you know, you can look back and say, well, we did this, we did this, but, you know, just build on what you got and just, you know, keep keep that skyscraper rising because it, it, it's definitely an improvement and that's what you want to do. You keep improving, keep getting better, and, you know, just generally have fun with it. Yeah, uh, I do the play-by-play for the volleyball, so I get to go to every single home game. And Morel's only a junior which is a plus. Madison Foley, who's arguably our second-best player, is a sophomore. Uh, we're only losing four seniors, and really two of them, you can argue three of them are really crucial to the team this year, but really we're only losing two big players. Everyone else is returning. So, And his first-year head coach for Lee Nelson, this, we're turning upward for Nevada Volleyball, and I'm excited about it. Uh, Madison Morrell won Offensive Player of the Week in the conference. So, again, accolades. Another Mountain West Conference Player of the Week. She's playing out of her mind. She Insane. is. Yeah, she is. Her hitting, her hitting percentages are over 35% every match. That's unheard of in, in volleyball. I was going to uh, say, is she playing out of her mind or is she just that good? Both. A little bit of both. She yeah. stays listening to that earth, wind, and fire before <laughs> yeah. the game. So she's on it. Oh, yeah. man. Hey, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? right. True, true. Oh, man. Okay, moving forward. We can touch on this daily fantasy topic. The last time we talked about daily fantasy, we were discussing uh, that employee of FanDuel who went on DraftKings and won 350000 uh, And since then, a couple of big things have happened across the country. Uh, just a few days ago, the New York State attorney, uh, Eric Schneiderman, filed a cease and desist order against FanDuel and DraftKings citing both for illegal gambling under New York state law. So New York has been recently added to the list of those banning daily fantasy. And approximately two weeks ago, the Nevada Casino Board, or the Gaming Control Board, excuse me, uh, wrote that because daily fantasy involves, quote, wagering on the collective performance of individuals participating in sporting events, daily fantasy sites must obtain licensing from the Nevada Gaming Commission in order to operate, that was from Deadspin.com. So, uh, we were discussing basically how just or how clean these two sites were. And now things are coming down from different states, including Nevada, basically banning the sites. Uh, where do you guys think the sites go from here? Uh, and where do you think sports gambling goes from here? Well, for me, uh, personally, uh, for me, I, I like to study laws. I know I'm a big nerd when it comes to that stuff, uh, but it's important to know this stuff. I think that, honestly, it's going to end up as a Supreme Court case maybe a few years down the road. Where where that goes, I honestly think that it's FanDuel and DraftKings have a strong case for them in that, you know, it, it they, they do have, like, I guess, the ability to carry on their operation, but... At the same time, New York is like, I don't know if they have legal gambling. I don't think they do. No. Yeah. Uh, one of those states. Nevada boy here. You know, Although Chris Christie has talked about it. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. But it's not on the books yet. And it, personally, I think it's a long way off. Um, 
but uh, just it, it's 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 too early to say, in my opinion. Uh, I think it's insane to me that I said this last time that it took this long, maybe for it to even get looked at. It was kind of like, oh, they're doing that over there. Cool. Let's no one investigate it. No one look into how they're getting all this money, how they're doing, you know, X, Y, Z. It's crazy that it took this long for it to happen. And it's huge that New York has come down on them because their offices are in New York. I thought it was in Boston. Well, no, the headquarters one, is in Boston. One, DraftKings has some Boston, uh, but they both have offices in New York as well, located in New York. And if they have to cease and desist there, that's, I mean, you're losing two offices. Both DraftKings and FanDuel, I believe, have offices in New York. Um, that's huge, man. Nevada is just one state. Yeah, it's big because we're the gambling state. But now a state like New York, who, I mean, New York is one of the most known states out everywhere. In the mm-hmm. world. Yeah. So uh, it's it's a big blow, I think, to both of them. Definitely. I mean, uh, I'm pretty disappointed that we can't play anymore. I mean, I went on DraftKings a week ago, uh, and I got one lineup in on Tuesday, and then by Friday it said that it was illegal and that I could withdraw my money if I wanted to. But uh, I haven't done it yet. Uh, I feel like... <laughs> eventually yeah I, I feel like holding out a little bit Open for uh, a hold out. if i really need it i will but uh <laughs> i feel like with all these things happening pretty quickly i mean in a matter of two weeks two more states are added to the list of those banning it uh the more it grows like there's got to be a tipping point where the uh the national government has to step in and and do something about it uh i could see something like tyler uh was talking about where there's a state case and they take it to the Supreme Court and that's how it's decided. But yeah, um, it's a salient enough issue, especially with the popularity of sports now. Uh, I think it's time the national government do something, say something about it, take a stance or uh, take some action. On this it. is just an opinion on my part, but honestly, I think it's something along the lines of we can't tax it, so we're going to ban it and you can't make money because we can't take a part of it. I think it's a little bit of that. And, you know, I think they should leave it alone unless something like that insider trading happens, which is like, well, that's the big deal, I think, because that popped up. This is popping up now. Uh, but in my personal opinion, there should be a little bit of, like, regulation on it, but not so much that it chokes it out of the, you know, ability to actually exist. And, you know, g- give that $325 million or $1,000 to the guy who cheated the system, so to speak. True. Yeah. But if it's going to the point where it's rigged and someone on the inside is winning money, I think, I think Brandon is right. I think someone else outside needs to step in because this inside problem just got way too big, and it's it's it an unfair up, advantage. Yeah. Obviously, if you work for the company and all of a sudden you win this much money, there's something wrong there. There's yeah, foul play that that's, went that's down. That's what I mean by the like the little bit of regulation to stop the insider trading. Like there there has to be, and we mentioned this in our last episode, some sort of accountability on the part of the company, but. Uh, apparently there wasn't. There wasn't any oversight within that company, and once you don't have any oversight within that company, Big Brother tends to knock on your door and says, knock your stuff off. Well, I guess my point would be, why why can't they tax it? I mean, obviously they're not making taxes from it right now, and so you say, like, why not ban it? And I think the only reason why they're banning it is this this stipulation, this aura around the word gambling and sports gambling, and and its negative effects, and I mean, 
I just don't see like why the government can't step in and tax it, benefit from it because it's it's happening anyway. It's happening across the country. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I mean, state by state is banning it, but I mean, states could easily capitalize on it at the same time. Yeah, and growing up in Reno, definitely, and Al knows about this, growing up in Vegas with that, you know, strip down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, with, uh, it's, you know, gambling is fine as long as you're not, like, obsessed about it or, like, you know, just oh, blow it out of proportion and all that. But the the re- I feel like it's definitely just that we can't get any of the of the coffee beans out of the pot, so we're just going to get rid of the whole machine, like, if that's a good acronym or whatever I'm just talking about. I mean, I get what you're saying. I'm, I'm just confused as to why they can't just decide to reach in and grab some coffee beans. Because that would make sense. <laughs> uh, or it would another question. gambling. Another question for me is what they're banning it for, like you said, is the word gambling. Everyone's saying that. Oh, since they're wagering on the collective sports. performance of individuals participating in sporting events, then they must obtain a license for gambling. Mm-hmm. So what happens to season long then? People wager on that? You know what I mean? That's a great point. Are mm-hmm. we going to lose fantasy sports altogether? That's the end of my life. <laughs> See, oh man, I hadn't thought about that. But a wager is a whole different thing. If there is a wager and you're betting your money, that's, that's gambling by definition. But fantasy sports alone, of course not. But, you know, you have to look at websites like, you know, FanDuel and all those like that. That's where it comes in. So, that's where the topic so comes in. Is gonna, it gambling? It's going to ban daily, but not a season long. Yeah, well, yeah I mean, I think I brought slope. up an interesting point, especially because I don't know if all fantasy sites do this, but I know Yahoo, uh, they have where you can enter in 10 team leagues randomly with people you don't know and you pay through PayPal and you can, they're like $20 and $60. Or fifty dollar buy-ins, and uh, it just—it's—it's it's an interesting question that he proposes uh, because they basically—they don't support gambling, but I mean, they allow gambling and they and they promote you to put wages on it through the website. So I think Al brings up a great point. Uh, we'll keep an eye on this going forward. I wouldn't be surprised if if there was some more news that came out before we uh, bust out our next episode. Uh, but we'll keep an eye on that and let you know. Our final topic of the day will be the benching of Kaepernick of the 49ers last week. Uh, Blaine Gabbard started this past Sunday against the Falcons and actually won 17-16 to many people's surprise. He looked good out there. Uh, he looked pretty good, but I, I'm not sure how much is the Niners having a decent game with Gabbert or the Falcons just, uh, I don't even know. The Falcons, everyone's thought they were legit and, uh, they have fallen off. Uh, I mean, Hardcore. there was a bad coaching decision to take the field goal with two minutes to go. Uh, but I mean, they can't score as it is. I mean, you have these weapons and they're just not scoring points, but. Uh, getting back to Kaepernick, uh, what do you guys think? Do you guys think he deserved to be bench? I think so. I think he's not playing well enough to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. It's not exactly des- deserving per se, but it's. I think it was needed. Jim Tomsula was quoted saying he needed to breathe. And you, you see Kaepernick, like he is out there in his own head. I was reading a story actually last night. Kind of made me sad a little bit as a Niner fan, but this is the quote. It said, Cap seemed to be football's future. This is from ESPN. He had beaten Brady in Foxborough, Drew Brees in 
New Orleans, Matt Ryan in, in Atlanta, Newton in Carolina, and Aaron Rodgers twice in the playoffs. Ron Jaworski predicted he could be the greatest ever. Yeah. And look worked? at him now. Yeah. yeah. It's I'm disappointing. Not, I don't think the lack of skill is a thing. I, I just think so many things have happened in that front office and on the team that it just kind of got to his head. I think he also has a problem with thin skin. And uh, like like you said, it's in his head. But people will talk to him on the field, which you know you expect as a trash-talking football player. And he lets it get to him, and that can affect his game if you – if you if you uh if you know the game that it, it it's a big part that smack talk is and he it, the fact that he lets it get to him is another like issue on top of like the front office issue with Harbaugh being let it go over the Michigan and you know all this changes of losing I mean they traded Vernon Davis to the Denver Broncos and then they lost which was funny enough but uh it's it's just very interesting that he's benched now to breathe, or I don't know where they're going forward with this, because is Blaine Gabbert going to start now? Is Kaepernick's good cooked, or I don't know. Yeah, I think Kaepernick is definitely not playing to what he could be, but I don't think we're ever going to see that Kaepernick again. I mean, I don't I don't know how mental it is. Uh, I mean, he's always first one in, last one out. He's been a very hard worker and, uh, for the most part, a stable quarterback before this season. Um, I think it's the system's fault, to be honest. It that has something to do with it. I I don't know if it's the system so much as it is just missing Harbaugh. I mean, That's we saw we too. saw what Harbaugh did to Alex Smith. I mean, they they went to the Super Bowl first year he was in there, and that just doesn't happen. I mean, it did, but I mean, and how terrible was Michigan last year? Terrible. Uh, terrible. Look at them. I know. Look at I, them now. It's, it's unbelievable. That's what, not skill alone. What, what Jim Harbaugh no. could do, and obviously the front office stuff, like is intertwined with Harbaugh's departure. Uh, but I think the drama isn't really what's what's affecting Kaepernick so much as he doesn't have the coach to help him. I mean, he like I'm sure the system, as Nick said, is a big part of that. Uh, but at the same time, uh, a coach can tailor to, to Kaepernick's abilities. But uh, I don't know how much Kaepernick improved because of Jim Harbaugh, but I, it looks to me that Harbaugh had a very large part in it of it. Yeah, how well he was playing. Yeah, and one more thing, I just heard like, well, I didn't. I, well, I heard like on, from a source from the NFL league that the teams like to flush him left. So if you're the coach, uh, Tom Sula, then you want to definitely d- dissuade him from going left because that's what they're predicting about him. And it's definitely a systematic thing there. So you know, with going off that, just coach him up, give him something because. He's dead in the water. It's like I've, I've been trying to, you know, argue. Well, that's the problem exactly. See, you have Colin Kaepernick ran the pistol at, at Nevada beautifully. And then you saw him the first few years in the NFL. He also ran it beautifully. And then you send him over the summer to Kurt Warner, and we get all these reports over the summer saying, oh, he's turning into a pocket passer. He's turning into a pocket passer. But that's when you stop and you think, wait, that's not exactly Kaepernick's game. You don't see Cam Newton coming in and ruling the league 8-0 or is he 9-0 now. They didn't change his game. They embraced him. They didn't over-embrace him like they did with RG3, whose legs are now just torn apart. Yellow. But they're trying to turn a Colin Kaepernick into a Peyton Manning. Imagine turning a Peyton Manning into a Colin Kaepernick. That is, that, it's just <laughs> unnatural. Would be dead. It's actually a little funny to think about. Uh, you can't run. But I definitely get what you're saying. Uh, at the same time, I mean, I don't know if you've seen a lot of Carolina this season, but Cam is throwing the ball exceptionally well. I mean, he doesn't have, like, the greatest completion percentage. Again, if you watch Carolina, their receivers are atrocious. Last week, 
Ted Ginn like had a touchdown in his hands and it's just like, no, nah, I don't want it. And he just dropped it at the three yard line without a guy five yards next to him. But uh, yeah, and it, it's weird because they had similar numbers, Newton and uh, Kaepernick. Yeah. And, but the difference is winning, in my opinion, because I've been saying it this whole episode, bottom line, if you don't get it done, you're not getting it done. I mean, it's not just that, like, obviously, like, winning is a huge part of it, but, uh, I mean, their stats are similar, but when you look at how they play and Cam, how Cam moves the ball, the, the, the types of throws Cam makes, Mechanics, I mean, yeah. like, I don't know if anyone saw the Carolina-Seattle game, but in the fourth quarter, he was throwing dimes all over the field, and, I mean, I can't remember the last time I saw Kaepernick move a team down the field and make three or four excellent throws, intermediate, long, short, whatever. Uh, so I just think Cam to Colin uh, comparison is just apples to oranges. Uh, At this point, Cam, yes. Yes, I'd agree. Dude, even, even back then, uh, I still thought Cam was better. But well, anyway, uh, moving on. You to, go to UNR and you say that? Hey, I call it how I see it. You know me. <laughs> no, uh, that, uh... <laughs> Uh, continuing on with Cap, do you think the Niners pick up his contract in April this year, or do you think they decide not to and let him become a free agent? I think the biggest move would be to get rid of Jed York because he's a disgrace to the 49ers, but I don't think that will happen because he was born into his job. So in reality, I think since they're trying to get a pocket passer, I think Colin Kaepernick, my guess, if I'm going off a whim here, will be traded to the Eagles. Bye, Cap. That's what I think. I think Chip Kelly can do something with him. I think he could. I mean, Bradford obviously hasn't. It's it's pretty early to say he hasn't worked out, but he's obviously not the quarterback everyone was hoping he would be in Philadelphia. Uh, So that would be an interesting fit. Well, and Bradford, going back to, like, systems we're talking with Cap, Bradford is not the quarterback for that Chip Kelly system. Are you kidding me? There's no way. He's a statue. So – Kaepernick to Eagles, Nick, actually has – that's intriguing. Yeah. That is that is super yeah. intriguing. Uh, I don't know – I don't think – the answer to your question, Brandon, is if, if they pick up his contract or not. It really depends on how the rest of this year goes. Do they keep him benched or do they give him one more chance to see how he can play and finish out the season? If they keep him benched, I don't think they renew it. They draft a quarterback. Yeah, going along those lines, my thought was, too, uh, when the Niners finish the season, I think their record might also have a decent amount to do with it. Um, The only quarterback I've really been impressed with in college this year is Jared Goff. Uh, But if if they're in a position where they they could get him, uh, I could see them cutting ties with Cap. But, uh, again, in this league, quarterbacks are so hard to come by. I don't think they want to go with Blaine Gabbert for a whole year unless he really shows people something in the next few weeks. But uh, we'll see how he goes against Seattle after the Week 10 bye. Oh, boy. Um, I think Niners fans are kind of cheering for them to lose almost because if they know, if you know any Niner fans like myself, I actually played high school baseball with Jared Goff, and he wears number 16 because of Joe Montana. I think Jared would love nothing more than to play for them, but the question is, Will he or will he not go to the draft? Because Jared is a junior. But, I, man, that'd be an amazing story right there. Yeah. 
Right now, I could see Detroit taking him, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Any quarterback that's taken by Detroit at this point is going to be a train wreck. Well, that's hard to say, man. Uh, no, no, <laughs> look at no, their, no look it's going to happen. Look at who they have on offense, man. Mm-hmm. Megatron, who else? Golden, Golden Tate. Tate. That's Golden a pretty Tate. solid Ebron. number 20. Ebron. Last year, no running over, game. last year, Tate had over 100 catches. Yeah, and like he, was the, he was a workhorse when Megatron was down. Yeah, he only yeah. missed like four games to Megatron, so I mean, he... he He's a productive number two. They're receiver. so snake bitten though. I it's, I just feel bad. For, if I said Detroit was good, I'd be lying. Okay. Well, yeah, obviously right now Stafford is one of the most overrated quarterbacks in the league. And uh, <laughs> let me let me go back really quick to mm-hmm. to cap in the Niners. Uh, yeah, we got last time <laughs> the Niners passed on a kid from Cal that played quarterback. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers. His name was Aaron Rodgers. Uh, so if we have an opportunity to get Jared Goff and we pass on him. And take Travis Wilson from Utah, I'm gonna lose it. Am I the only one who's not a San Francisco fan in this room? Uh, I think so. Go Kansas City. Ooh, the chefs. Sorry about them, by the way. <laughs> yeah, hey, they're about to be Denver. I was no gonna problem. say you got the back end of Alex Smith's career. Uh, thinking about it now, Lo I mean, I'm pretty. I was pretty upset when the Niners lost to Atlanta because I mean, I want that good draft position. And now that I think about it, I mean, with Detroit, um, who were we just talking about? Uh, you, you're going to talk smack on my team right oh, now? Oh, the Chiefs? Yeah, yeah, Alex Smith is the answer, huh? Uh, they he could, was. They could, they I could. liked him and Jamal Charles two years ago and the year before. He, yeah. Jamal Charles gets hurt too much. They still like him there, too. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. not sure why. I mean, uh, really, he can't move the ball on the field effectively. They were really good, and they were making the playoffs when their defense was top ten. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, defense with Jamal Charles, you don't need a quarterback to do a lot, but... Yeah, game man. With Jamal Charles growing older and the defense not being as stout as it once was, I mean, I doubt they want to stick with Alex for the next couple of years. Yeah, just we just gave him a contract extension too. So what I is think their record? Uh, three and five. At the moment, we're about to, you know win every game that we play now this season. I'm not in denial, not yet. Um, maybe a little. <laughs> <laughs> All right, one last question about Kaepernick. I'm going to ask you guys to give me a percentage. What? percentage chance do you think or how do i word this what are the chances kaepernick played his last game in the nfl zero zero absolutely zero okay he didn't lose any skill set he didn't get hurt he hadn't their system imploded from the from the inside out they lost michael crabtree and they lost vernon davis who i believe to be the fastest tight end in the nfl they lost Frank Gore. They lost Mikey Potty, their center. They changed their offense again with Eric Mangini. And now they have Jim Tom Sula, a coach that everyone likes. Likes, which isn't really the best concept ever. And all of a sudden, Kaepernick's not playing well. I think that's not a coincidence. All right, Nick. What about you, Al? Uh, I agree, 0%. I think it, even if the Niners cut him, no way another team doesn't give him a chance. Um, so, 0% that he played his final snap. And I just want to say this note on Jim Tonsula. He looks like a hot dog vendor New York corner guy. Does he not? I That's mean, he's got mean. yellow teeth. It's a pretty good comparison. He's got the chin. Like, I can see him, like, 
super hairy chest with yeah. like a gold chain, like on the corner of New York. Yeah, like, give him like you know, a get a- you hot dogs. You know, give like, him an apron. Yeah, I could totally dude, seriously. <laughs> so I don't, I'm, I don't like him. I don't like him as a coach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Nick tossed that word out that like in the concept, and definitely he's not liked by some people, as can be told. But for my percentage, I'm gonna say zero because definitely Chip Kelly's gonna be like, oh yeah, we need that for that blur offense. Oh yeah, I'm Chip Kelly. Uh, so yeah, definitely zero percent. He's gonna get another shot somewhere. I don't know if he'll succeed, but whatever the future holds for him, you know. Uh, I'm gonna go six percent. I think there's a small chance he he doesn't see the field again. I mean, if you look at what happened to RG three, obviously there was more of a downfall, and we've seen a longer time of poor production. But I think Kaepernick at this point, if he moves, which I think he will, uh, he's gonna have to earn the starting job. And I don't know if he'll be able to do that, depending on As where he, he goes. Uh, I mean, obviously, we'll see if it was just more of a system, if that does happen. But uh, I think he will play again, most likely. But I think there's a chance that he hops around and he he might not be able to earn a starting job anywhere, depending on where he goes. I think if Josh McCown can start for the Browns, Colin Kaepernick can start for the Eagles. Hey, Josh McCown has been moving the ball pretty well for – for Cleveland, I mean, he's doing okay for Cleveland standards, but for the man Cleveland. is 36 years old, and they have something with Johnny Menzel, who, Definitely. by the way, is going to be traded. I can go all day on Johnny Menzel; it's a whole different subject. But football. I, I I doubt they're going to trade him. him second year after out. they moved up in the draft to get him. But. I don't think the GM wanted him in the first place. That was kind of a preferred coaching, uh, kind of choice. But who's gone now? But anyway, I can go all day on Johnny. <laughs> I, I really can. I have a very uh, opinionated side on him. And Kaepernick as well, but obviously Kaepernick. If we're, if we're speaking young quarterbacks, that's, <laughs> that's where it'll go. Well, I'd like to talk about that maybe sometime another day, but that's all we got for now. Remember to check us out on Facebook, the Wolfpack Howl, and on Twitter at Wolfpack Howl NEV. That is at Wolfpack Howl NEV for Nevada. Uh, thanks for listening. Appreciate your time. I am Brandon here with Tyler, Nick D. I'm Al. And we appreciate you for listening.